Good morning, my name is Nina. And my name is Betsy. Today, we will be reading from Psalm 46. Feel free to follow along in your Bibles. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present hope in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, through the earth give way. And the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shield with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Again, my name is JD. I'm one of the pastors here on team at Pine Lake Covenant Church. I am so glad to be with you this morning via technology, via this way of connecting. Wherever you are, I'm so glad that we are here together. We are living in some crazy times, some very strange times. This pandemic has turned the world upside down and has established a new normal that many of us aren't really used to. And I've had some people ask, what do you think it would be like if Jesus were living today in our time? What do you think he would be doing if he was alive right now? I think that uh, one of the things he might be doing would probably look something like this. The Last Supper today. Here's Jesus at the table Here's his disciples visiting via Zoom, all practicing guidelines established by the CDC. In all seriousness, though, I hope that you partake of the different elements and different uh, gatherings that we have available during Holy Week. We have daily devotions that will be happening, and we have a Maundy Thursday gathering that will be happening. You can get the guide, but you can also come via Zoom. It'll probably look something a lot like this. It's just another way for us to enter into community together during this very interesting time. This morning, we are continuing our sermon series called Hope for Shaken People. We've been going through different psalms and exploring the ways that we are invited into more hope through the writings of the psalmist. And we're going to look at Psalm 46 this morning. I've titled this sermon, The Secret to Stillness. In our culture, in our time, There's a familiar phrase that we often use when we're going through moments of panic or distress. It's something that many of us have heard. This one, keep calm and carry on. This is a phrase that we know and we pass around uh, whenever we are encouraging people to maintain calmness. Now, in the light of all that's been going on, I've heard several different versions of this. I've heard keep calm and wash your hands. Keep calm and don't carry on. Keep calm Actually, no, don't, don't keep calm. In the midst of all of this, though, the message still remains the same. Keep calm and carry on when the world is freaking out around you. The Bible actually has its own version of this, own statement that seems to kind of imply a similar meaning. And that statement is, be still and know that I am God. Now, this phrase is used two ways. The first way that it's used is related to prayer. The point being that stillness is the place in which we can hear from God and encounter God. So when we pray, we should be still and know that he is God. The second way that it's used is more of a mantra. 
You know, when things are going bad, when things are going hard, be still and know that he is God. Be still and know that he is God. And it's a phrase that people often take out of context and apply. And when we do that, we lose the richness and the depth and meaning of that. Both keep calm and carry on and be still and know that I am God are related to the same thing. They're encouraging us to maintain a non-anxious presence, a calmness, a stillness in the midst of the storms of our life, in the midst of the situations of our life. But the reality is, even though we know this and even though we hear it, most of us don't know how to live it at all. We don't keep calm. We don't be still. We actually freak out. We hoard toilet paper and we empty bread shelves and we lose our composure and our tempers and we lose our ability to function when the world is going south. And in the middle of this pandemic, it's something that we all know too well. We're all experiencing this on some level as our normal routines and our lives have been turned upside down. So it leads to a relevant question. How do we maintain stillness? How do we find this calm in the midst of the situations of our life? Well, we're going to find in Psalm 46, the secret to stillness is in the context. See, the words, be still and know that I am God, are actually a part of Psalm 46. And so this morning, we're going to be exploring the psalm and learning the secret of stillness. And we're going to find that it's relevant to these three things. It's relevant to knowing who God is, where God is, and what God is doing. The secret to stillness lies in knowing who God is, where God is, and what God is doing. So let's talk about who God is. The psalmist starts by saying these words. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. The psalmist starts with a declaration of who God is. The writer says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. He has a very clear picture of who God is. The next words that follow are, therefore we will not fear. See, his reality of not having fear in the midst of the circumstances are related to his picture of God, are related to what he sees when he thinks of God. Your picture of God affects your picture of reality. This is a fact. This is why the psalmist can say, I'm not going to fear. Not because I'm strong, not because I'm a refuge, not because I'm a sense of help in the moments of trouble, but because God is a refuge and strength. He is the source of strength that I go to. Therefore, I will not fear. The way that we think can actually like affect our realities in profound ways. Our beliefs have power over us more than we know. For instance, some of you who may be into conspiracy theories, I love a good conspiracy theory too. If you believe that Big Brother is out there listening to everything and acting on everything, well, that's probably happening to you right now. You may not even be online in this transmission because you're afraid of what is happening as Big Brother is watching you. If you believe that the world is a beautiful place and a positive place, you might spin every single situation into something positive. You might look at the world with rose-colored glasses or see it as not even half full, but the glass is all the way full. And it might be a little overbearing at times and difficult for you to deal with actually what's happening. Or maybe you might be living with the belief that someone is out to get you. If you do that, then you're going to be suspicious of people and the way that they look. We all have different lenses through which uh, our beliefs come through, and it affects our reality. 
The same is true of the way that we see God. Our picture of God affects our picture of reality. So if you see God as a fortress and as a strength, as an ever-present help in trouble, then like the psalmist, you can say, therefore, I will not fear. So this leads to a relevant question. What is your picture of God? What do you envision God to look like? Who is he to you today in the midst of all that you're going through? Some pictures of God are helpful and others not so much. Maybe you see God as um, a loving father who looks after and protects and cares for his own. Maybe you see God as a loving mother who is always a listening ear and someone that you can go to. Maybe God is a therapist room. Maybe God is hope. Maybe God is light in the dark. Whatever your picture of God is, it's going to affect your picture of reality. The psalmist has this formula. God, you are blank, therefore blank. You basically fill in the blank. So I want you to take a moment just to think about that. And I'm going to have an awkward silence in the midst of this. Just think about it for a second. God, you are, therefore, go ahead and work that out just for a few moments. What did you say? Maybe some of you said, God, you are provider. Therefore, if the economy turns down and I lose my job, or I find myself in circumstances that, that are, I'm struggling to provide ends meet, I'm going to trust that you're going to provide for me somehow. Maybe some of you said, God, you are healer and protector. So I believe that you're going to bring healing to those who are sick. I believe you're going to bring protection to those who are working on the front lines. God, I trust in you because of that. Maybe you're saying, God, you are sustainer. And therefore, I have the perseverance to continue day by day, knowing that your mercies are new. Whatever your picture of God is, it's going to affect your reality. Knowing the secret to stillness, it's absolutely important to pay attention to who God is. The pictures of God that we see and live into for our lives. And so we've talked about who God is. But the second part of knowing the secret to stillness is knowing where God is. The psalmist continues with these words. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. In the second part of the psalm, the psalmist envisions the dwelling place of God. He sees where God is. God is in this beautiful city that's filled with this river that, that gives life to things. It's the holy place where the Most High dwells. And in this beautiful city, with this beautiful stream, this river, God is in a place of authority. He is in a place of power. It says that God is within her. And because God is within that city, she will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. What's happening on earth while God is dwelling there? The psalmist says, nations are in uproar. Kingdoms are falling apart. But God is in this place of authority. The next line he says after that is, God lifts his voice and the earth melts. So we see God in a place of authority. We see the earth falling apart. But we see God, when he lifts his voice, the earth melts. Now, immediately when you think about this picture, you may think that maybe God is far away, right? If God is in heaven, in this beautiful city of God, where he is powerful and protecting that place, the earth is separate from that. And even though he has authority, he's far away. 
Well, the psalmist answers that question by saying this statement. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And in that, the psalmist is saying, listen, God is in a place of authority. Yes, but he's also in a place of nearness. He's not far or distant. That power and authority that exists where God is relates to you and me because we are his people. It relates to us. God is in a place of authority and in a place of nearness. When I think about this truth, I think about a story that I experienced when I was in Korea. Uh, I was there with my older brother and sister. This was about seven years ago. And we were out at night just going to different cafes and doing some karaoke. Karaoke is a big thing in Korean culture. And it was really late. So when when my mom sent us out, she said, make sure to be safe. Make sure to be careful. Well, the thing is, my older brother is 6'3" huge built. He's like a converted neighborhood bully turned, you know, nice guy. He's a tough guy turned protector. And while we were out that night, I felt a sense of fearlessness. It didn't matter who I talked to or who may have given me some suspicious looks because I could look right back at them because the guy behind me was huge and he was powerful. And if anything happened, he would walk in front of me and I would just uh, probably hang out and just let him take care of it. You see, there's something that happens when we believe that there's someone who has power and authority and that person is with us. It gives us a sense of calm, a sense of boldness and courage in the midst of difficult times. So knowing where God is and having a sense of that is really important. And it leads us to this question, where do you think God is? Where is he? Is he in a place of authority or in a place of weakness? Is he far or is he near? The psalmist chooses by faith to see God in a place of authority and in a place of nearness. And the encouragement to you and me today is that when God is with us and that authority comes with us, we are protected and safe. The secret of stillness lies in knowing who God is and it also lies in knowing where God is. But the third piece of this is knowing what God is doing. The psalmist continues with these words. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The psalmist starts to think about what God is doing. He says, come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations that he has laid on the earth. And it seems to imply, when you hear the word desolations, you're thinking of destruction. You're thinking of rampage. You're thinking of the breaking down of things, deconstruction. And so all of a sudden, it's like, what, what, what's happening? Why, why is this negative picture happening? But the psalmist says that what God is doing is making wars cease. He's breaking the weapons of war and establishing peace. He's breaking the chaos and establishing his rule. This is an image of God's kingdom coming to earth. And in that desolation, the desolation of all things that are broken, all things that are wrong, and the establishment of his kingdom, God says the words of invitation, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted among the earth. You see, this invitation to be still and know that he is God does not come from our own works or our own effort or from our own power. It actually comes from God himself, from witnessing and seeing and knowing the work that God has done and is doing in our world. The secret to stillness doesn't come from resting in our own works. 
It comes from resting and witnessing the work that God has done and saying, yes, God, you are glorified in this. And it leads to this question, this third question. What is God doing in your life? In the midst of this pandemic, what is he doing? What is he up to? Now, it might be easy for some of us to believe that nothing is happening, that God is far away and that he's not doing a thing. But scripture tells us time and time again that that is not God's character. He is concerned and he is moving and acting and working within our world. And we get to join in partnership with him in that, even when the world is falling apart, even when there's a pandemic going on. So I ask you again, what is God doing in your life? What is the work that he is wanting you to pay attention to? Not what are you doing? Not what are you trying to fix? Not what are you cultivating or what are you trying to develop? But even in the midst of this, what is God doing in your life? What are the things he's bringing your attention to and possibly inviting you to see? Because witnessing the power of God and the work of God, we're able to rest in that. That's part of the secret of stillness, knowing what God is doing. See, stillness comes from seeing who God is, where God is, and what God is doing. That's how we can be still. What do you notice about this statement? There's really nothing about you or me in there. There's really nothing about us and our efforts. Stillness doesn't come because we meditate really hard, or we concentrate really hard, or we think about the things that we're doing to make ourselves better, or we, or we try to build this or do that. No, 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 no. Stillness comes from seeing who God is, knowing where God is and what God is doing. It comes from understanding that God is at work in our life and we can rest in his activity. Now, it might be so strange. Why in the world are we talking about Psalm 46 on Palm Sunday? JD, it's the beginning of Holy Week. Newsflash. You should be talking about the text in which Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey and people are shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the son of David. And Jesus is coming to rescue us. That narrative is the one that you should be talking about. The narrative of the Savior who is coming. At first glance, I know it might seem utterly confusing why we're talking about this. But the truth is, this is probably the best psalm to be talking about on Palm Sunday. And here's the reason why. When I was in seminary, the last class I took was an Old Testament exegesis class. It was a class where we went through um, prophetical books in the Old Testament. We translated the Hebrew and then wrote papers on those translations and the in- interpretations of our research. We were given one last assignment, a final paper. And our professor told us, you're going to take five to seven verses and you're going to write a paper. And the minimum is 12 pages. The maximum is 35 pages. All of us were shocked. How in the world could anyone write 35 pages on five to seven verses of Scripture? Well, I chose this passage I'm about to share with you, and I ended up writing 35 pages. I could have gone more, but the professor was like, I won't read your work if it goes past that point. And the passage comes from Isaiah 9. And here's why it's special. Here's why it's meaningful. Here's why it's connected to Psalm 46. You see, when we think about the work that God is doing in Psalm 46, this destruction of war and the weapons of war, there's one other place in Scripture where that language comes across so clearly. And it's right here in Isaiah 9. Isaiah 9 is meaningful because this is the first time we get a glimpse of who Jesus is going to be. This is the first time in all of Scripture that we get a clear picture of what Messiah is going to look like and what he's going to do. Before this point, the idea of God being with us was terrifying. 
Because God was a fire on top of the mountain. He was a fire and he was a cloud by day. He was a powerful force and he was utterly terrifying for folks to live into that. In Isaiah 7, you do hear the passage, Emmanuel, but people don't really know what that means. They still think it's a terrifying God. But this God in Isaiah 9 is who Jesus is. And this is who we get to look at this week. I want you to hear these words. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. My friends, as we enter into Holy Week, we get to take a deep look at Jesus. And in Jesus, we see who God is. We see where God is. And we see what God is doing. We see that he is the son, the obedient son, who takes responsibility and hears the distress and cries of his people. He leaves heaven and comes to earth and dwells among us in flesh. He is with us. He walks this life. And then we see him obediently going to the cross, giving his life there and resurrecting from the dead so that we can have new life in him. Stillness comes from seeing those three things. It comes from resting in Jesus. It comes from seeing the work that he has done and the work that he is continuing to do in our lives. I don't know what's going to happen in the world around us. I'm not sure of where we're going to end up at all of this. But I am sure that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is what scripture teaches us. The character of God is the same. He is with you, not far away, not distant. He is a protector, a healer, a provider. He is someone who cares deeply, and he is working in our lives. So my encouragement to you is rest in stillness, not from your own effort, Rest in the stillness and the work of God. And especially this week as you think about Jesus, about who he is and where he is and what he's doing in your life. Be still and know that he is God. I just want you to invite you to pray with me. So let's pray. Father God, I'm so grateful for this moment in time that we have to come before you. Thank you for the ways you love us and care for us. Thank you for the ways you look out for us, the ways you protect us. Jesus, I'm grateful for who you are, for all that you've done and are doing in our lives. 
Will you continue to reveal the profound work that you are up to and help us to know how we can be a part of it, how we can live into it? Holy Spirit, will you be the one who leads us into all truth? In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen.